one thing that's very important to me in the way we construct the list and speak to our voters, and that's that there's no criteria. There isn't a checklist for our voters to have. We put the complete faith and trust in those voters to determine what they believe are the seven best bars, which again comes back to making sure how important selecting that panel actually is, how they have to be best placed people to select those bars. Hi there, and welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. This is your host, Tristan Stevenson. On this episode, I am talking to Mark Sampson from 50 Best Bars. Fresh off the back of the 2021 50 Best Awards, this was held in mid-December. So we discuss the origins of the competition, how it has changed over the years, how it will continue to evolve, and what all this means for the global bar industry. We identify some of the success stories of the past decade, talk about emerging cocktail markets, debate the way that the competition has shaped the motivations of bars who wish to appear on the list, and get into the nitty-gritty of how the judging works. If you want to get a deeper understanding of how a 50 best list is formulated, this is the episode for you. Okay, I am here with Mark Sampson. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Very well, thanks, Tristan. How are you, man? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, so we are only two or three days out from 50 Best. We are recording, was it three days later after the event? I mean, yeah, it's all been a bit of a blur since then, but yeah, it was on Tuesday. So yeah, Tuesday the 7th. So yeah, we're three days after. Although my voice, um, as you can probably tell. Suggests it was sooner, still, yeah. Still, Still picking up the pieces, yeah. <laughs> um, I wasn't un- unfortunately unable to, uh, to attend, but how was it? How was it at, at, compared to previous years? Uh, there wasn't a live event last year, right? Was that, that didn't happen? No, yeah, we did a we did a virtual one, virtual one last yeah. year. Um, but the the event this year, I mean, obviously, obviously, I'm a bit biased, but it was uh, it was amazing. I think the the sort of vibes in the room and people um, just looking forward to getting back together. Um, and there was it was kind of like the last days of Rome uh, in, 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 many, in many respects. But yeah, it was a super event. Just really glad to be able to to get everyone together again. Yeah. Well, I heard reports from people who were there that it, it was uh, a really good event and felt kind of special. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot of events feel special now because they sort of are special in the current climate in that, you know, they're actually happening. Right. So uh, but uh, not to take anything away from it, because uh, I've been in the past and it's just it's a cool um, experience getting together with everyone. Um, you know, it's all the bars who are so excited to be there and the bartenders and, the, you know, the it's it's just such a lovely gathering of people, I think. And, um, I mean, it's become one of the sort of biggest fixtures in the calendar now, hasn't it? 50 best, if not the biggest, I'd say probably the tales of the cocktail spirited awards and 50 best probably are, are the two sort of big fixtures of the, of the, of the calendar year, um, in terms of bar awards. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for saying that. We certainly certainly tried to make it such. We actually produced it in the round for the first time ever. So we had um, a monster big stage in the middle of uh, in the middle of the roundhouse with uh, our twenty partner brands uh, around the perimeter of the room. So it was a, it felt a lot bigger. Um, but yeah, we, we had like a, a 360 degree screen at the top. Um, so yeah, it was all about, like you say, it was all about trying to make it feel special, people getting back together for the first time. And But to be honest, if we had just hired a room in a pub, I would have thought people would have still uh, still enjoyed themselves probably as much. 
So let's go back. So maybe we can start talking about the origins of the competition um, and how it came about. Do you want to talk a little bit about the history? Of course, yeah. I mean, taking it taking it right back to the to the genesis. The first the first list um, was revealed in two thousand nine, um, and that was uh, and that now we've done. This is the the thirteenth uh, the thirteenth list um, this year. Just just produced. I mean, as the as the world's fifty best, um, your listeners may well also be aware that we our sister brand is the world's fifty best restaurants, which uh, which started in two thousand and two. So there's a little bit more history with the restaurants brand. And the restaurants band is probably better known across the like the, the the sort of hospitality community across the world because of that um, extra extra seven years and a bit more experience and familiarity with it. So yeah, with the with the bars, it launched in in, in two thousand nine, uh, just designed to be the the most authoritative poll of bar experts anywhere in the world, and then creating creating a list for um, for consumers to base any sort of bar bar focused travel around. So. Yeah, the short answer. That's that's essentially what we're what we're trying to do with it. And how do you, how do you think it's sort of evolved over the years? Um, you know, what's changed in terms of the structure of the competition and and the the system of, of voting and judges and that kind of thing. Sure. Yes. I mean, it's the real um, developments have been actually in sort of the last the last three or four years in terms of the the voting and the the judging and the way we approach it. So every year we try and grow we try and grow the academy of panelists um, more, um, but we but never at the expense of the the quality of the voter. So for uh, for a very long time it, we we only had five academy chairs, which are essentially split split down by continent. Uh, but in uh, in t- 2019, we started to to grow it quite quite more significantly, significantly, um, including uh, now we're at 28 uh, global regions for the first time this year. Last year we had 22. So in those 28 uh, global regions, they're all headed by an academy chair who is generally a, a drinks writer or a drinks educator. Uh, and we rely on them to select their panelists in their region. So the reason why we wanted to devolve it some more is because those people can be um, far closer to the to the bar scenes that, than I can be from London mm. or the academy chair based in in that continent continent. So we kind of followed suit with uh, the restaurants model by hoping that by having an academy chair based in 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 the city or in the country or in the region which we've created there'll be more au fait with selecting the best the best selection of voters so we try and grow that selection of voters by roughly 10 to 15% each year and uh, this year was our largest uh, largest academy ever of 600 600 voters so that that sort of split down uh, roughly they're sort of 50% bartenders and bar owners uh, roughly 25% drinks writers, drinks educators, uh, and, and people who, who sort of spend their life writing about uh, cocktails and spirits. And the other 25% we call um, cocktail aficionados. And that's basically consumers who are well-traveled and well-explored when it comes to comes to fine drinking. Um, this year, there was probably the biggest change that we've ever had in terms of the formation of those votes. Um, and that was essentially we we sort of sat back at the beginning of this year and trying to in, in the attempt to create a level playing field for the voting. We all know that uh, international travel has been hugely restricted in uh, over the last what, 20, 20 odd months now. 
Um, and we wanted to try and create a format which was as fair as possible, bearing in mind all the all the issues the hospitality and travel community has had. So we actually removed the requirement for international votes this year after much consultation with bartenders, um, partners, people we know in the industry all over the world. So each voter gets seven votes. Usually they would have to make three international votes of those seven. This year, they didn't require any international votes, so but surely they were they were encouraged to, if they have been fortunate enough to travel, to allow those experiences to inform their their voting for this year. And looking at the votes coming in, um, we we well we asked the academy chairs to prioritise people they know had been travelling, so we didn't lose or miss out on that um, on that international element, even if it was in region travel or even people that we knew were going up and down the countries. We wanted people who were still who are still moving around, um, but obviously the the um, international uh, travel as it was wasn't as wasn't as big as in previous years. But certainly by looking at the the list, which was was revealed on uh, just just this Tuesday, just gone, uh, it, it hasn't been uh, hugely affected um, by the by that sort of change in the voting system. So yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at with it today. And now we're already looking into into 2022 and how we can come up with come up with a system that that works and fits for the time. Yeah, I it's I mean selecting the chairs I guess is critical, isn't it? Because obviously that's going to emphasize you know specific markets, specific bars in specific regions and if you miss one um like in a in an area or a country which is doing cool stuff, then potentially you're going to miss the nominations for bars in that region, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, quite right. We the sort of selection criteria and procedure for those academy chair, uh, academy chairs is is long and drawn out. It's um, I ask uh, people who know probably far more about the local bar scenes and international bar scenes than I do. Uh, I lean quite ever heavily on on Hamish Smith, who I'm sure you know, Tristan, as the editor of Class Magazine, um, and he and he and he he ran the the world's fifty best awards before uh, before I sort of came into the came into the business in 2019. Uh, and yeah, so I, I speak to people all over the world for for recommendations, and then it's quite a long, quite a long interview process before um, before we actually uh, confirm them as an academy chair. But in terms of the regions and where we create them, our our big sort of focus at the moment um, with Fifty Best is is sort of geographic diversity. So mm. um, last year, actually, twenty twenty uh, was after the first time we had um, we had. Uh, two, two. Well, we've had an academy in South South Africa for a long time, but we've got one in Africa East and Africa West now, and another three academies and regions drawn up for sort of Eastern Europe. So we're really trying to throw that spotlight uh, or floodlight, as we call it now, yeah. uh, onto sort of more more diverse regions and start revealing more about these these awesome bar scenes to the to the rest of the world. Well, it's one of the cool things about it now, I think, because I remember the competition in in the early days. It naturally sort of centered around the sort of traditional hubs of you know popular cocktail bars that being new york london you know a few other european cities maybe a bit of like japan or something like that um Mm -hmm. uh, and so you know heavily emphasize those bars which are obviously very popular and very well known but it's cool now to i mean i i look at the list and uh, you know there's a bunch of bars i've never heard of um because yeah. I've not been to those countries recently um, and, and gone to experience it. So I think I feel like 
you know, it's working more as a a great tool now for being able to explore bars all over the world than before, where it was just almost sort of confirming what we already knew about the bars that were popular in, in, in places like London and New York. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, still, there's no denying that since in the 13 lists, only winners have come from from New York and London. Uh, huh. I don't. Is I that don't true? Right. Just, okay. Interesting. It's, yeah, it's still yeah. still the case. Uh, I don't think um, I don't think it'll be very very long at all until we see uh, another another city uh, another city take the take the top spot. But certainly beyond beyond that, it's now hugely hugely varied. Mm. Um, we've, we've seen we've seen more. This is a record actually this year in the in the 50 one to 100 extended list which we which we reveal um uh, the week before yeah. the uh, the main list there were there were 26 new entries into that and from and then six countries which had never appeared on a on a 50 best list before so that's su- su- certainly super diverse and in the list this year we had a spread of 17 countries of the 50 bars uh, and of those there were 18 new entries which is a record for us so certainly we're um I, th- I think that well it gives us gives us confidence that we're on the right lines in terms of widening that that pool of certainly cities and uh, countries that that we talk about so in terms of the way that the you know the uh the, the chairs and the panels and everything uh are, are arranged how does that compare to the 50 best restaurants um panel and and sort of judging system very, very similarly, actually. Um, we've actually got fewer academies in in the restaurant system than we do the bars. There's only there's actually only 26 um, with, with restaurants, and we've got 28 with bars. But those uh, those those regions with with restaurants is actually far wider um, than we than we do with bars because we can't create the same regions and geographical boundaries because I think uh, and I, th- I think the rest of the industry think that the bar culture is very different to restaurant culture so where we group countries uh, such as well it, it, we've got we group India together with um, with um, Sri Lanka and uh, Nepal and that sort of area uh, the bars there are probably a bit more developed than they are restaurants mm. so we we tend we tend to mix it up in the, in that sort of sense um, we put well we put Australasia together in terms of Australia and uh, New Zealand uh, in in restaurants there's actually two different academies there so we try and sort of follow what we believe and what we sort of speak to people who tell us that um, where the appropriate uh, geographic boundaries are, are, are drawn um, so yeah, we've got 28 with bars, um, which is slightly more, but I think we're going to try and look to cap it at roughly 32 in the next in the next couple of years. Uh, I'm pretty confident now that we've um, we've got an excellent setup in in Africa and Eastern Europe, uh, and this year we also devolved America or US the US for the for the first time this year. We've got um, we've now got four separate regions internally in the US, which is split down into uh, the Northeast, uh, the South, the Midwest. And the West. We've also split um, North America, Canada in two. We've got Western Canada and Eastern Canada. And then uh, Mexico has its own uh, academy chair, which also looks after the Caribbean. So we, we sort of devolved that sort of part of the world. Uh, and our next focus will be on South and Latin America, where we look to, to bring in a couple of extra regions there. It's fascinating the amount of work behind the whole thing because I mean it's, like, it's just so important, isn't it, to make sure that there's the right emphasis on these different regions. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as you as you quite rightly said, to kick it off, it's it's all about finding the right person and the right balance uh, and then making sure uh, because it's all about the, the credibility of the list is, is all in the hands of, of, mm. of the voters and the, the credibility of them and how appropriate their knowledge and experience is. So we, we, yeah, we spend a lot of time 
uh, in getting the getting the panels right and uh, making sure that the balance within those regions is is fitting. And then, yeah, so it is essentially uh, my job is just to count the votes when they all come in, and it's um, and it's a pretty easy one. Yeah. So on the voting, um, obviously you've got these panelists, and they have to vote for seven bars, right? Um, so how does that work in terms of scoring and, and weighting of, of, of scoring? So there isn't actually any weighting applied. Each vote is as valid as the, as, as the next uh, in terms of where they uh, – no, no one country is, is more highly weighted than another, for example. Um, the, the only weighting that is applied is if I vote for the num- the, my first bar, second bar, third bar, fourth bar, fifth bar, sixth bar, seventh bar. Um, they all come with a different number of points. So mm. if, you're, if I'm voting my number one – they get seven points and then six, five, four, three, two, one. So it's, it's the, yeah, there's no sort of geographic weighting. Every mm. vote is as valid as the next. Um, they're just the, where you place those votes is, uh, is, is sort of, it determines how the, how it comes out. So it's literally a case of adding up the number of points that's given to every bar that's voted for. And the one that has the most points gets to be number one. Which is the Connaught again this, sim- this year? Yeah, Connaught again. This um, year. Yeah, it's literally as simple as that. Yeah. Well, fortunately, um, we're actually independently adjudicated by Deloitte, so I don't actually even mm. do the counting. They they do the counting for me. Nice. Um, so speaking of the Connaught, um, it's an amazing bar. I mean, uh, I've I think I've been saying for the best part of ten, fifteen years now, or ever since Ago basically arrived there that it's my favourite bar in the world. Not necessarily the best bar, but my favourite. Yeah. Now, of course, though, you know, literally the best bar, at least if, if 50 best ranking system is to be trusted. Um, yeah. You, you've obviously been there as well. What do you What do you think makes that place so special? I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, yeah once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a like you. Yeah, exactly. You're quite right. It's a super super special space, and I think what what Ago and and, and Maura and Giorgio have have done there is just create an environment which which feels super sp- special, super luxurious, but also really really friendly. Um, the way that Maura conducts the service there from the moment, like her big smile as soon as you as soon as she opens the door you feel as if you're stepping into a pretty special space and i don't think you you often get that with hotel bars they the hotel bars feel very much of the hotel but Connaught Bar for me feels like a secret. I mean, it's underneath the stairs in the Connaught. It feels, it just feels really special from the moment you get in there. The design's obviously beautiful and perfect. Uh, I think they get the well. Actually, one thing that I think's really improved there in recent years is the is, is the soundtrack and the way they approach music in there. And I think when they hmm. when they had to obviously shut down for the for the lockdown period, they invested a hell of a lot of cash in the in the in the fixtures and fittings. Put re- completely hmm. reclothed all the upholstery there. Uh, and obviously the David Collins designed bar is, it, it doesn't feel like the kind of space you'd expect in a hotel bar that's as sort of traditional and luxurious as the Connaught. And obviously it doesn't hurt that they, they don't know how to, they know how to mix the odd drink. Yeah. I was, um, we've had Ago on the, on the podcast and I was talking to him about it and I was saying that one of the things that I think makes it so captivating, um, and I'm personally not a religious person, but, uh, it feels like a chapel. <laughs> like you walk in yeah. there and the whole arrangement of it all is like walking down the aisle to the to the to the altar at the end. Um and uh 
there's something sort of vaguely religious about the whole experience, um, which may be one of the reasons why we go there and (laughs) think, well, uh, you know, when I'm casting my votes for 50 best, I probably need to put Connaught high up because uh, it it has that sort of quasi-religious feel about it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, you probably wouldn't get many better better priests than the the Nago uh, from his pulpit. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Well, I mean... You know, you can continue the analogy because uh, there's the whole the fact that they're, they're serving spirits, right? You know, holy spirits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, can we stop there, please? Yeah, we'll stop there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, what? So you know, you can look at the list and sort of sort of tick off the the top ten, top fifty, and sort of try to find a pattern there around what it is they're doing that you know. It makes them special and and worthy of people's votes. What I mean, what do you, if you if you're going into a bar and and sort of trying to kind of make an assessment on it based on the criteria for for nomination, what what is it you're looking for? Um, you know what? I, there's nothing in particular that I'm looking for. I mean, any, on any day of the week, if I'm going into a dive bar, I can have a have a jolly nice time, and I'm not going to be looking for super luxury or super super fancy uh, fixtures and fittings, glassware, that kind of thing. I think the, uh, the the best bars are the ones which are sort of most most fitting for their genre. Um, so, I, I, well, one one thing that was that's that's very important to me in the way we the way we sort of construct the list and speak to our voters, and that's that there's no criteria. There isn't a checklist for our voters to have. We put the complete faith and trust in those voters to determine what they believe are the are, are the seven best bars for that for that particular year that they've that they've experienced throughout the voting period, which again comes back to making sure how how important selecting that panel actually is and how they have to be uh, the best people to be the best place people to, mm. to select those bars so yeah no real criteria to be honest with you mate i'm um uh, i'm a broad church to go back to that uh, <laughs> ecclesiastical analogy <laughs> yeah exactly i mean I've, I've voted on it uh i i didn't i don't think i did it this year but i've i've been on the panel a few years and it's meant um, to be anonymous tristan yeah um exactly yeah yeah i don't exactly i don't want the hassle of going into a bar and people saying oh there's tristan stevenson exactly. let's make sure he gets the right service because he's on the 50 best part you know i don't want to do that um and, no, that's, uh, that's really important to us as well i mean we get quite a lot of um, one of the regular criticisms that's leveled at us is uh, you should announce all the names of uh, of your panelists but for me that's completely counterintuitive because yeah. that's just going to like leave them open to lobbying if we've got yeah. if we've got a list of all our 600 panelists on the um, on our website or something if i'm mr i don't know uh, mr or mrs rich hotel owner and i've got the pr mm. budget to invite 50 panelists out and lay on laying on a fancy uh, fancy hotel suite shower them in gifts that for me is um is not the way we want to be going so I'm, i feel very strongly that the anonymity of the, of yeah. the panelists is important well it's so true and i've i've seen lobbying in the past and um you know with facebook and everything and because there's some bars and some um regions that that you know really take this seriously they they invest so much into it and and in fact you know there's been bars that have been opened in the last five to ten years with the express intent of appearing on this list you know they they mm. it's it that's the sort of crowning glory that's what they that's where they where they're aiming for um which is sort of contradictory to the 
the competition in the first place because what it's about is celebrating bars that offer great hospitality um and uh you know it's it, it creates a, a strange sort of paradigm in, in a sense because you get like i say you get bars that are attempting to appear on this list when really what you should be doing is attempting to offer a great you know experience and then that will come naturally if it's if it's good enough like i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more i think anything opening any hospitality business with the pure focus to appear on a ranking or receive uh receive a rating for from other other guides is uh yeah it's completely the wrong wrong way of approaching it like you say it's uh it's about creating the a space which 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 you believe is worthy of uh, of people's custom. You know, the most mm. important thing is the is the guest and the guest experience uh, and how people feel when they get into that bar. I would actually say, uh, I would actually argue that how good the cocktails or the drinks are is probably third or fourth in the ranking yeah, uh, agree, of yeah. how you actually approach it. Mm. Um, but yeah, completely. I mean, well, I can see why uh, probably more unscrupulous bar owners might want to get on the list because we um, we hear stories all the time about how it can put a number of zeros on the end of the, the balance sheet at the end of the year. And we get that and how our sort of website, because we've got um, super good SEO from all the people who are checking us out. Um, they, they know that they're, they're going to get visibility from international travelers with, with healthy budgets in their pocket. So I can, I can see why, but yeah, that should be more of the end game rather than the, uh, rather than what their sort of philosophy is all driven towards for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's it is a tricky one though, isn't it? Um and you can sort of see why it's so desirable um to two bars to to get there. Um and I mean that I mean do, do you think there's a what how do you feel about sort of the do you think it becomes a bit insular potentially like you know you appear on the list and therefore more people come to visit you and therefore you're more likely to get votes because more people have come how, how do you sort of avoid that you know and, and making yeah. sure that that, that that you know there's opportunity for new bars or old bars even to appear on that list for sure for sure i mean it's it's, it's a question we obviously discuss uh, quite a lot um how how some bars uh, appear more more frequently than other, than other than others so i mean it's great to see 18 new entries this year um, yeah. and i think that's sort of uh the most the biggest example of how of how it is deeper than just uh, regular bars mm. so yeah, about four years ago we started producing the 51 to 100 list um which is just the extended list up to 100 um, but probably the biggest thing that we've done to throw that floodlight on a wider number of uh, bars and restaurants than any before is in yeah in 2019 we launched uh, November 2019 we launched our 50 best discovery, um, which is a website which is essentially the the world well I would say this but it's the it's the world's most authoritative gastronomic search engine so that now contains 2,200 um, bars and restaurants. And all of the bars and restaurants that you that you find on the on on our platform, Fifty Best Discovery, have all received votes from our Academy of Voters. So we know we've been sitting on this absolute mine uh, of data of bars and restaurants which have had votes from our academies all over the world in both um, both the restaurants and bars spheres. So we essentially pulled them all together in 2019. 
um, and then we put them onto onto this database. So it's not listed, it's not ranked. Um, it's just done all by it's done by complete geographic search and designed at people who are looking for bar led travel or restaurant led travels travel. So you you type in the you type in the desired city or country to the search engine, and then a huge list, uh, well, huge list in in certain cities, smaller yeah. list in others. Um, of places that receive votes, so we're absolutely about trying to make sure we can get, throw awareness on on those bars which haven't really come onto our lists. And I think we're seeing the fruit of our labour this year um, with the number of new entries that are coming into it as people people are getting out and about. So certainly our our panelists will, if they're moving, if they're going to a different city, they will probably use uh, 50 Best Discovery as their first port of call. Mm. But then, as we all know, um, that quite often the best recommendations are word of mouth and by the from the bartenders who are actually tending bar and behind the stick in these in the destination. So they will um, they'll get, get the advice and then sort of extrapolate their their journey beyond that. Nice. I think that's really important, and that's cool that it's it's almost sort of like giving opportunity to other places and suggesting you know there's more than just the fifty. Consider these other places, you know, and and you know f- both for punters and for panelists as well. I'd imagine it's quite uncommon, right, to be in it, to leave it, and then to re-enter it. Uh, yeah, I guess relatively uncommon. This year we had um, two re-entries to the list. Okay. Um, uh, that was Tipling Club in in Singapore and Quinnery in in Hong Kong. So they dropped yeah. off, they came back. But I think as a as a rule, we probably have between two and five re-entries every year. Hmm. Um, but yeah, as a rule, it's it's once you're off, it is harder to to get back. And, but not impossible. Honest, then, based gem- on that, that's no, that's, no, no yeah. completely. Yeah, which is not impossible. And that must be almost better than entering it in the first place, I would think. You know, knowing that you've been in it, then sort of suffering the loss of being discounted and then doing something or, you know, appealing in some way that you hadn't before and then re entering, that's a real sort of. you know, uh, you know, mark of, of, of you've done something special, I, I would say. Exactly. I mean, what I was actually really buoyed by um, with those those two particular bars is they haven't really changed anything. They've not got in a new uh, a new bartender who's got a big name behind him or her. They haven't uh, they haven't completely torn up torn up the menu and, and started doing something different. They haven't refitted the bar. So Quinnery has just been going about its business. Uh, I think it opened in 2013, and mm. um, Antonio Lai is uh, he was probably the the, the founder of the of the cocktail scene in Asia, to be honest, and the way he approached uh, he approached making his drinks with, uh, with, well, using the principles of molecular gastronomy, um, like things like spherification. I think he was one of the first people uh, to work yeah. with a centrifuge in um, in Asia. So, and he's just been doing he's just been going about his business year on year. Um, so great to see him back and Tipling Club, which is. Um, which is by a chef actually, who's who's as interested in cocktails, Ryan Clift, and he he really really focuses on creating a food and drink pairing experience, um, and I think that's that's reflective of the way that people are looking to go out now, you know, um, particularly in places like Singapore where it's harder to bar hop or bar bar crawl between between different venues. People want to get a good feed with a good cocktail, and if you know that you can get both in the same venue, you're much more inclined to. Um, to sit there and pull up a pew all night. Um, so obviously, current situation, uh, you know, aware of that. But how much travelling have you done uh, in recent sort of the last few years since 
you know, 2019 or whatever, when you came, so it's 2019 you came on, yeah. right? Yeah. How many of these yes, bars yes, have, yes. have you got to visit um, over, decent, over the last few decent, years? Decent-ish number, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, since since I've been with 50 Best, my actually my first, uh, first week at the job was putting on Asia's 50 Best Bars 2019 in, in, in Singapore. Um, I've got to admit that I was a little bit little bit naive to uh to how, how it would all go about and the, and the program of events but um as the the bar teams in singapore will will, will probably attest i threw myself into it and i didn't really didn't really hold back so <laughs> uh, <laughs> i thought it's the only way to go about it yeah. um, do some research right yeah you got to exactly um, but, like, you got to test the product yeah, yeah, yeah. got to test the product um but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to a decent number on the, on the list. Uh, probably, I'd say probably roughly half. But yeah, in the, most of the pandemic time, I've um, I, I haven't travelled very far at all. I've had uh, I've had one holiday, one holiday with my with my wife to Italy, um, and then managed to nip away for the odd weekend here and there. But nothing, um, nothing, nothing momentous, unfortunately. But where, where in next Italy year, did you go? I went to we were, we went to Puglia and oh, another couple we um, yeah we just hired a, a, a trilly in, in Puglia and had it was it was that window in the UK where we where it was like it was like a month where we were allowed to we yeah. were allowed to travel immediately after the summer it was in October actually um, and I actually got engaged while I was out there which, oh congratulations um, which, 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 was, which, which which thank you man yeah cheers yeah. it was uh, and you were in a trilly so that, that was that was in a trilly, yeah, yeah, like an extended trilly, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, um, it was really special actually because we'd, we don't, nobody had been been anywhere for over a year, so um, yeah, lots of um, lots of nice Pugliese wine was was consumed, lots of nice barbecues, but yeah, that that was probably the best holiday I've had in uh, recent times. How about you? I uh, have not been away on a proper holiday with family um, in recent times. We've done a bit of camping and bits and pieces like that, but. Um, nothing abroad yet as far as i remember i have been i've been traveling um but uh mostly for work or you know mm. some you know whatever constitutes work sometimes it's, it seems more pleasure <laughs> than work but uh you know a mix of yeah exactly a mix of both, um... yeah um but uh so what 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 do you think is it's it's you know it's such a, a weird question because i think we kind of know the answer already but if i'm opening a bar um what do I need to do to get on the 50 best list? <laughs> it's a ridiculous question because obviously you just need yeah, to open I mean, a great bar, right? But um, is, do you it, have bro. any pointers, any tips and tricks that you think might get you noticed and, you know, in, 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 or in the right circles? I mean, I, I, as you can imagine, I get asked this question yeah. um, quite a lot. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd certainly say that there's there's no formula, but I think the most important thing is how you make that guest feel when they when they enter your bar. Yeah. Uh, and I think particularly in most countries across the world right now, people want to feel want to feel safe and secure, and that their business is is appreciated. So I don't think you can put anywhere near enough emphasis on that first contact that that person yeah. that person receives they need to feel like they're the only person in the room and that their custom is is super valuable so yeah the, the main thing i the main thing i say when i'm when i'm asked this question is to really really invest in that first contact point with with your guest everything after that is kind of secondary because if yeah. they enjoy the I, way I they felt when they walked some, in um, they'll be they'll be walking the in again results of some poll not soon. so long ago which and it was it was based around restaurants but obviously same kind of rules apply um, where they'd asked guests to sort of rate, rank the importance of various different aspects of their experience in a restaurant. 
and uh, so everything from like food to service um music lights first contact the goodbye all that kind of stuff and i i can't remember the details of it exactly but what i do remember is that the initial point of contact and the final point of contact ranked mm. really highly um in in terms of what guests are looking for what they valued in a good experience yeah and it's and those things don't cost any money. They're 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 free. Yeah, you know? exactly. And and exactly. so easy to execute well, and yet so easily misplaced and forgotten about. And it's mm. it's really fascinating because we spend so much time thinking about, um, you know, right. We've got to get this drink tasting perfect. You know, the menu's got to look mm. this way. Um, you know, we're thinking about music and spending, you know, vast amounts of money on, on decor and furniture and all that kind of stuff, and yet actually the things that count really is just the basic principles of hospitality hello i'll be with you in a minute how are you doing today you know that kind of thing and i you know, hope you had a great time can't wait to see you again you know come back um and and they, they don't cost anything exactly exactly and i think it's um the guest doesn't even it's kind of subliminal right i, I don't think the guest even will no. probably register that, exactly. that that's why they've come away and had a had a great experience so yeah, yeah. if you if you if you if you seat me well and i feel oh happy i feel i feel welcome in this bar and then the, the drink's already going to taste better we i mean there's lots and lots of research done into um lots and lots of research done into how that that taste is affected by mood mm. uh, and i think if you if you're already if you're in a good frame of mind and you give me i don't know a drink that i consider to be a seven out of ten you've um you've already nicked a couple of extra points if uh if i feel good and i'm smiling when i when i put it to my lips yeah i mean let's be honest you could go somewhere and have a mediocre meal or drink uh and and uh you know not like the lighting and you know, be on, you know, sitting on comfortable furniture, but if the service is really on point, it can be, you know, one of the best you know, dining or drinking experiences of your year. Right. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's so interesting to think about it that way. And it does make you stop and think like, do, are we, are we emphasizing the wrong things? You know, spending too much time thinking about, you know, some kind of home fermented ingredient in a drink when really we should be just mm. sitting down every day and brainstorming how to do hospitality better. Um, and, 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 you know, the Connaught's next example of that, not to, not to suggest 100%. that the drinks aren't great, because uh, they are, mm. but actually, when I go there, is it the drink that I'm sort of talking about days afterwards? Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, when I'm recommending the Connaught to someone, am I am I recommending it on the basis of the cocktail I had there? No, actually, I'm not. I'm recommending it because yeah. you go there and you feel special when you sit in that bar. Mm. You know, you, you get made to feel that you are the most important person in the world. God, it sounds exactly. so egotistical. All, all we really crave for but that's exactly is just, it. To made to, just made to feel like someone who's <laughs> Mate, important. <laughs> look, we're, we're, uh, we, we can't help our own narcissism, right? Yeah. Any, person who, any person who's going into a bar, look, if I'm going into Connaught Bar and I, I know I'm going to spend £27 plus service to get, me, uh, to get me a lovely martini and, of course, the welcome drink, which, um, which they yep. do superbly well. Yeah. Um, oh, what, does I, everyone I, get I that? that? I thought gonna... it was just me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
but yeah, I think the way that yeah, I, I can't put enough can't put enough emphasis on it because it's uh, yeah, I think like you allude to, it's not if if you ask me the list of, of my best meals and best restaurants, they're not the they're probably not the the restaurants on the on the fifty best list that I've been fortunate enough to visit. It's the ones where yeah, I've I've been sitting with my with with my wife's my mates, my wife, or group of us who um who just go in there and have a have a lovely lovely time, and that's generally all orchestrated by the by the service and how um and how you made to feel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, do you, do you, where do you see the competition going? Do you um, you know, do you think that we need a sort of Michelin star equivalent in in the bar industry or or some sort of something like that? Um, no, is the, is the short answer one because uh, Michelin are probably rival is probably the wrong word in the, in the restaurant sphere, but they, they, what Michelin does, Michelin does extremely well. Um, so I wouldn't say another Michelin, but what we're what we're very very focused on at the moment with with Fifty Best is is expanding expanding our reach and expanding uh, our awareness of, of different bar scenes all over the all over the world. So we've got a very very big um, big announcement um, which is coming out in Q1 Q1 next year, um, and uh, I can't really say too much more about it at the moment, but it will be it will be a new list. Uh, and, a, and a very very exciting one in a in a territory which I'm sure people will will be very up for exploring. So expanding reach is is, is very important for us. We're also bringing in lots of new, I say lots of new awards, uh, a few new awards where um, which which spread that net even wider. Mm. So for this year we launched the uh, Siete Mysterios Best Cocktail Menu, uh, and that was open to any bar anywhere in the world they don't have to have anything to do with uh, 50 best or the 50 best lists and that was uh, that was by complete um, open submission so we put together we put together a form where the whereby the bar would send in its its current menu and then some um, some essay based uh, answers to a few few a few questions and the opportunity to provide some supporting materials which included like the R&D process uh, efforts towards uh, efforts towards sustainability and we were absolutely blown away with um, with the entrance we we got um, around 200 um, which was really good for for the first year from from all over the place guy it was um, really amazing to see to see where the bars were coming in from um, and then we, we we whittled that down with the, so it's, that's all judged by our academy chairs. Mm. We put together a score sheet for them to to, to grade to grade the bars uh, from for their for the way that the menus are designed, for their efforts towards sustainability, the communication of their ideas, uh, the look and feel of the of the menu, and yeah, and how they're and how they're sort of responding to the guest needs. Obviously, the drinks couldn't be couldn't be tasted by the academy chair so we made it i made it very very clear that this is a uh, this is a an assessment of the menu as a document and yeah. not a reflection of the of the cocktails on it anyway so yeah we whittled it down to a short list of five um uh, bar Trigona in kuala lumpur uh little red door in paris uh bovum uh in bordeaux uh, and lab 22 in in cardiff uh, have i missed any out there oh, and himcock uh in in oslo um, for for their for their latest menu, so uh, yeah, and, and the winner was Lab Twenty Two in Cardiff, um, and they've never been anywhere near a they've been anywhere near a fifty best list. I don't, don't know how well you know Cardiff, Tristan, but it's just it's on it's on, it's above Chip Alley. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> been to Cardiff for years actually, um, but there's a reason yeah. to go now. Yeah, and that's cool because Cardiff's not a city that gets talked about a lot in terms of cocktails Absolutely. and bars and things like that. So it's, I think that's wonderful putting it on the map like that. Um, 
So yeah, they were great fun. They, they brought a lot of people to the party on Tuesday night, and they uh, yeah. they approached it in in appropriately um, appropriately Welsh fashion. <laughs> nice, good. <laughs> um, and then so there's the Asia fifty best as well, isn't there? Um, so that's the, that's the only regional one at the moment. Is that right? At the moment, correct. Yeah, yeah. that was launched. We launched that in uh, in in 2016. Yeah, uh, we launched that, and the way that the Asian bar community has 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 responded to it has been out of this world. Um, they've really, really embraced what we're what we're trying to do, uh, and they and they absolutely they absolutely love the event and love the party. I think Asia is for me is probably the most exciting region. And obviously, right, I know Asia's huge, but it's the most mm. exciting region with the most potential of anywhere anywhere in the world. I really do. I, the cocktail bar scene there is, I mean, the whole scene itself is still very nascent, still very much in its sort of fledged fledgling field i mean it's probably only barely just over a decade where mm. what we would consider proper cocktail bars have been have been established but the the drinking history and the liquid history in and around the region is probably well more storied and more developed and longer than anywhere else in the world they've got so many unique flavor profiles and unique unique spirits which we're just not familiar with in the in the west i guess um, that are just waiting to be to come to come to the fore, and I think obviously the Japanese bartending tradition has, has been well established. But what we're seeing from bars from Seoul uh, and particularly Singapore, which is which which had six entries on the list on Tuesday night, which is which was the most successful city, um, so more successful than London, wow. or far far more successful than London and New York. Um, and we're just seeing some great things coming up from there, and certainly approaching some flavour profiles and styles of bartending that I've never come across before. That's cool. Six entries from Singapore. That is impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, really impressive. So um, with the 50 Best Asia, are you using the same chairs and panellists as the as you use for the 50 Best Global? Good question. Yeah. So it's the same chairs. Yeah. When it's the same and it's same same region breakdown, um, just obviously confined to Asia, but they have bigger panels. Um, yeah. it's, so there will be there will be there will be some of the same names, but there's a, a greater a greater number of total panelists to try and reflect a uh, larger, broader, more diverse range of opinions. Yeah, and presumably it's possible, and indeed uh, I guess has happened that your say top ten uh, in the fifty best Asia are not the same as the sort of top Asian entries in the fifty best global. Yes, exactly. There is literally, there's very, very, very little correlation oh, really? um, to how that works. Mm. It was only actually the first time this year where the number one uh, from Asia's 50 best bars was the best place bar in Asia. Mm. And that was Koa in, in Hong Kong. Um, that was sort of the runaway winner at Asia's 50 best bars this year. I think the way that Jay Khan has approached the the pandemic uh, and, the, and the period of all the philanthropic enterprises he, he sort of got up to while, the, while, while they were in lockdown. And I think people realised that Hong Kong have had it particularly hard um, in terms of the protests and then going straight yeah. into multiple lockdowns. And they're still in probably one of the most stringent lockdowns in the world. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Jay Khan's uh, uh, COA came out on top in Asia and it was number number seven in the list on, on Tuesday night, bring, making it the, the best bar best bar in Asia. Nice. Um, but pre- pre- prior to that, prior to that, it's um, it's very rarely been that the the number one bar in Asia has has come out on top in the world list. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I guess. So do you think that you know, like you say, you've got some crossover with chairs and panelists. Do you think that they are 
in a sense, judging slightly different criteria when it comes to global versus Asia? Because I, I don't know, I'd kind of expect there to be a reasonably strong correlation. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I, I mean, I've, I've obviously thought about this, but I guess it's more of uh, a case of bar sensibility. If I'm conditioned by, by London cocktail bars, uh, and my experience have mainly been there, they're inevitably going to be clouded by what I think is a good bar when I go to Singapore, right? So the first bar, when I, when I went to Singapore, yeah. the first bar I went into was Atlas, um, which honestly blew me away. I've never seen, I've never seen a cocktail bar cocktail bar or anything like it you know yeah. and it's, i've not uh, been there but it's just me to... incredible looking place i mean it's, oh, just... it's monumental yeah. man. it's like uh if, if we're talking if we're talking in um in religious terms again it, it really does feel like <laughs> the it really Sistine does chapel. feel like uh, a, a cathedral yeah exactly the Sistine chapel of, of bars uh ridiculous like over thousand bin gin library it's like the huge but the building is i've never been in a bar with a taller ceiling and it just feels it feels very reverent. Um, mm. You want to go in there and uh, and genuflect, doff the knee to um, <laughs> Jesse v- Jesse Vida and his uh, and his wonderful wonderful martini selection. But but yeah, I, I guess that's a good good point. I guess it, de- it depends a lot about what what your sensibility is when it comes to what you want from a bar and what you've what's what's come before. Well, you 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 you, you, re- you reminded me, of course, with global, of course, you've got people from all the rest of the world voting on these Asian bars, whereas with 50 Best exactly. Asia, you, the all the panellists and chairs are confined to Asia, right? So like you say, they're basing exactly. it on a different kind of criteria. Because like you say, what, what, what I consider to be a great bar might be different to what someone in Asia considers to be a great bar. And so I might think, well, this bar ranks higher than that in, in Hong Kong, for example. Whereas they're mm-hmm. going to obviously consider it slightly differently because they've got their own sensibilities to it. Exactly, exactly. Which is um, so, yeah. The list becomes a wonderful melting pot of yeah. um, different experiences. Yes, yeah, how exportable is the bar concept as opposed to you know what what does it mean to the local environment? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which um, I mean, it's been quite reassuring to see in um, to see in recent years that the. The relatively diverse style of bars, which uh, which have got to the got to the top of the list. Sure, this the last two years, Connaught Bar, super luxurious, five star hotel setting, etc. But then before that, in um, 2019, it was it was Dante, um, which was essentially a great aperitivo bar yeah. in in New York, and that was, uh, that shows how relaxed it can be. A and neighborhood bar, really. Looking back, li- uh, like, neighborhood bar, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Over a hundred years old, does does coffee and pastries in the morning. Uh, but then you've got you go in there any time of the day or night, and you've got a local just sipping on a cup of coffee or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then before that, you've got Lioness, which I think you could obviously say it's a, it's a pretty luxurious hotel bar. And then you're looking back a bit further, you've got the Artesian, which again is a hotel bar. But then you've got bars like the Dead Rabbit and, and Milk and Honey, which which come from come from a di- di- completely different um, completely different look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. Look, amazing. That's brilliant. I've, I'm going to just keep you for a few more minutes because I want to do some quick fire questions with you. Um, are you up for that? Ooh, pressure. Yes. <laughs> um, so you can answer these uh, as succinctly as you like. Um, it can be a one word answer or, or you can elaborate. It's up to you. Um, okay. So I think we've got four of them in total. So question number one, uh, your desert island drink. Desert Island drink. It doesn't have to be. Um, so, so, sometimes when I ask this question, I think yeah. people think, oh, this I is the drink I get to drink so. on a desert island. I asked it to Ago, <laughs> and Ago was like, well, yeah. water. 
which is obviously a, <laughs> a sensible answer. But what I really mean is, what's your favourite cocktail or, or drink? It could yeah. be beer or wine or whatever. But, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very broad church, uh, Tristan. I, um, I, I, I very much drink to the situation. Well, so if it was, as you if should, it wasn't, as you should, yeah. As you should, yeah. <laughs> if I was, if I was literally on a desert island, I'm, I've, I'm not. I'm not too. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not ashamed to say I love a pina colada. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can, I can, yeah, drink, um, drink a good number of those. Um, but I am equally, equally happy with um, a pint of well-kept lager or Guinness at this time of year in mm. the winter. Um, uh, yeah, do a big fan of Guinness. But I'd say the cocktail I probably drink the most of because uh, it's because um, uh, it's one of the one of the few I can actually I'm actually adept enough at making is a is a Negroni. I'll uh, I do I do sink I do sink quite a lot of those through the through the course of a week or month. <laughs> nice, um, cool. So the the opposite question: um, your your least favorite drink or the drink that you hope to never see um, slander a cocktail menu ever again. <laughs> Oh right, yeah, that's really quite put me on the spot. Um, I, I, I struggle with with drinks invo- involving anything more than a few dashes of absinthe. So Sazerac, I can do. Sazerac's actually probably one of my favourite cocktails. It's also the name of my cat. Nice. Um, so I do like I do yeah, I do I do like Sazerac. But yeah, anything with which is too which is too absinthe, I'm not I'm not a fan of. Um, and Baiju, I'm struggling to I'm struggling oh. to get to grips with as well. I know that is I know a challenging it's, uh, one, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, and it's my palate is just not quite sophisticated enough to to interpret it just yet. But I will persevere. I once had a uh, night out in um, Shanghai with some Chinese bartenders, and we spent the evening drinking baiju and eating various parts of a pig that I hadn't previously <laughs> considered edible. And um, the fallout the next day was. Catastrophic. It was, uh, yeah, oh and I, I put it down to the baiju more than the pig lung or whatever else it was. That yeah, I was oh eating. God! And and did you did you wake up? Did, were you still sort of sticking to your guns that they they should be considered unedible? Oh yeah, totally. Or did you quite Entire, enjoy, yeah, 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 yeah. Awful, right. It doesn't matter how okay. much sort of spice and seasoning you put on some of these <laughs> items. Um, you can't get away from the texture. Uh, and uh, and more than that, I'm not even sure there's sort of any nutritional benefit to eating it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that sounds awfully good. <laughs> nice, I like that. Um, <laughs> cool. Next question. Uh, okay, so you're only ever going to drink in one bar for the rest of your time. Um, Man, which bar are you gonna sit at? It would be it would be my local boozer. It wouldn't be it wouldn't nice. be a cocktail bar. One because I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to put any favourites in there. Yeah, but, uh, that's, um, yeah, sensible yeah, probably... answer. Don't don't kind of uh, you know, <laughs> just a favourite. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm with you on that as well. Right, a good pub. Yeah, good pub every every day of the week. Yeah, final quick fire. We're not being very quick with them, but never mind. Um, <laughs> is so you're you're uh, you're bartending, you're doing a a, mm-hmm. a star tender shift or a guest shift or something <laughs> rather like that, and um, God forbid. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you're, you're lucky though because you're allowed to bring in an accomplice. You're you're allowed a wingman okay. or woman, um, and it, so this can be any person. It can be a professional bartender, but it could even be right. A person, you know, a celebrity or a famous person from history. It can even be a fictional character. We're going to open it right up. So wow. you, you, you're going to you're going to attend behind the stick for one night only with the person of your choosing. Who is it? 
uh, I would probably I would probably go for right. So when you said fictional character, mm. um, so the person that I would probably like to have on my side would be uh, Francis Begbie from the Train Spotting novels. Oh, okay. <laughs> Back feet. Back feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he would he would be in, t- in charge of, of crowd control security yeah yeah uh, the other person uh somebody who can actually mix drinks i mean i know i, I kind of want to say ago but i know he's got a bad shoulder at the moment from all the um, <laughs> from all the high part high port martini so i would actually say somebody who is well she hasn't done much bartending in a while but i would say i'd like to be behind the stick with anna sebastian um, nice. Who is uh, who's previously of uh, Artesian and before that um, American Bar at the Savoy. She's a good friend of mine, and I think she would she would look after me. And previously on this podcast as well. Um, so, oh, is she? Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, we've had her on before. Um, yeah, we've mentioned Ago a couple of times actually, and um, we have an episode with him coming up uh, very shortly, um, which uh, was a lot of fun too. Mark, thanks so much. This has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, really enjoyed it. And also great to sort of dig into the nitty gritty of, of 50 Best and learn a little bit more about it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think these awards things get a lot of flack. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tricky balance. It's, it's a... It's a difficult one to to get right, I think. But I, it, by the sounds of it, to me, what you're doing in terms of the chairs and the panelists, it's about as fair as you can possibly make it. Um, and it sounds like you're, you know, even with that, you're still trying to push it and and make it as as democratic as possible. Um, and and the transparency with all of that is is admirable too. So well done. Man, thanks. That really does mean a lot um, coming from you, Tristan. Yeah, I think you're you're, you're exactly right. There's, um, I don't think there would ever be a completely perfect system whereby we could we could get everything, but we, I certainly try and put as many uh, as many tenets in place to make it as fair as possible. Because at the end of the day, we just want to create a list of, of what fifty, and then the extended list, fifty bars, which consumers know they can book into and have a have a have a wonderful experience. So, so yeah, thanks very much for having me on, man. It's um, a real honour. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found the conversation as insightful as I did. Now, if you want a little bit more, do look out for the Bar Chat Shorts episode with additional bonus content from my conversation with Mark. And if you haven't already, make sure you become a Diageo Bar Academy member. It's free. Head over to diageobaracademy.com for the latest industry news, events and inspiration and subscribe to get it emailed to you.